Ubiquity, the history of designs we take for granted. Created by Chris Whitwood. Ever since humans first walked on two legs, we realised shortly after the simple pleasure of a good sit down on four. Even the most rudimentary items can serve as a chair without any design process. A conveniently shaped rock or a fallen tree trunk. However, designing a chair is surprisingly complex. A chair needs to meet some fundamental criteria. It needs to be stable enough not to wobble. It must be strong enough to support human weight, but light enough to be moved and positioned easily when seated at a table. Achieve those, and you have, in its basic form, a successful chair. Throughout history, design and decoration could, for those who could afford it, transform these functional objects into stylish items of furniture. The greatest challenge, though, comes when attempting to fulfil these criteria at scale. Creating an elegant design that can be reliably replicated to the same standard through industrial processes, making it affordable to the masses. In cafes and restaurants across the world, from high-class bistros to humble tea shops, can be found a recurring symbol of culture, cuisine and companionship. And chances are, the majority of people sat on them would not even have noticed. Chair number 14, also known as the Viennese Coffeehouse Chair, is one of the earliest mass-produced articulations of the principle that form should follow function. Yet its beautifully simple design so encapsulates the late 19th century French Belle Epoque that the designer's name, Michael Tonnet, is often mispronounced in the French style, Thonet. Tonnet was in fact not French, but German. Born in Bopart on the banks of the Rhine in 1796, he apprenticed as a carpenter before going into business as a cabinet maker. This was a time when the Industrial Revolution was bringing forth new material and manufacturing processes, transforming almost every walk of life, and joinery was no exception. Tonet embraced these developments, and after considerable trial and error, he devised a method of laminating veneers to create smooth, curving surfaces for his furniture. Thin layers of wood were bent and glued together in jigs. These were then built up until the desired shape and thickness had been fabricated. This method was easier to replicate than traditional hand carving. Nevertheless, the lamination process was still labour intensive and the wood could only be bent in one direction, requiring additional cutting and shaving to create more complex shapes. Despite commercial success with the Bopart Lairwood chair, which enabled him to purchase the Mikkelschmull glue factory in 1837, his applications for patents in Germany, France, Great Britain and Russia were all denied. His look changed when at the Koblenz Trade Fair of 1841 his designs caught the eye of that great player on the European political stage, the ultra-conservative foreign minister to the Austrian Habsburgs, Prince Clemens von Metternich. Under such prestigious patronage, Tonnet was able to present his chairs to the Austrian imperial family, and was granted a generous patent. He moved to Austria 
1849 he set up shop with his sons in Vienna. However, with labour costs in Austria rising during the mid-19th century, Tonek continued to innovate to make his design simpler and thus more affordable. His breakthrough came when he began using steam to bend wood rather than building up layers through lamination. Beech wood slats would first be heated in hot steam to around 100 degrees Celsius. This softened the wood fibres, allowing them to stretch and bend as the pieces were formed around cast iron moulds. These were then held in place as the wood was dried at around 70 degrees over the course of the next 20 hours. The moisture from the steam having been removed, the fibres in the wood hardened again and the beech wood pieces retained their new shape. Without the need for delicate carpentry, and with the shape determined by the iron frame itself, this process could be performed by unskilled workers, and on a large scale. In 1850, Tonet produced his first bent wood chairs, for which he received a bronze medal at the Great Exhibition the following year. Nine years later, in 1859, he produced his masterpiece. For many, the Model 14 chair is the embodiment of beauty and simplicity in furniture. Tonet's chair was pared back to the absolute minimum, requiring only six pieces of shaped beech wood. Compare this to the Sussex chair, produced by Morris & Co around the same time, which required 29 separate pieces. These six parts are held together by just 10 screws and two nuts, making it the forerunner of modern flatpack furniture. It even came with its own assembly manual. Being able to dismantle the product made them easier to transport. A crate only one metre cubed could hold the parts for 36 chairs, dramatically reducing the cost of shipping and storage. While functionality was paramount, utility does not necessarily mean cold or brutal design. The two rear legs consist of a single piece, elegantly curving up and over to also form the backrest, gently widening where the wood needs to be stronger and tapering where the bends tighten, before flaring gracefully as it nears the base. A semicircular arch fits inside the curve, providing strength and additional back support. The front legs are prevented from twisting by a circular brace echoing the shape of the seat above. The seat itself was often made of woven cane, which allowed spilled liquid to drip through, making them particularly popular in cafes, the market for which the chair was originally designed. When founding the arts and crafts movement, William Morris and his compatriots imagined a world in which products of high standard and honest construction would be available to the masses. Tonnet's daring ambition had been to design a chair that could be sold for less than the price of a bottle of wine. In the number 14, he realised this vision. New technologies allowed the shaping of materials, making them stronger, but also more accessible. If a chair did break, they were cheap enough for customers to just buy another one. In an age before single-use products and throwaway culture, this was a revolutionary idea. In 1889, to demonstrate this concept, one of Tonnet's employees threw one of the chairs from the top of the Eiffel Tower. Unsurprisingly, the chair shattered upon hitting the floor, but sails rocketed. 
By 1930, over 50 million number 14 chairs had been produced. Since it first went on sale, the Tonet number 14 chair has become synonymous with cosmopolitan cafe culture. In the painting at the Moulin Rouge by Henri Toulouse-Lautrec, two number 14s are visible. In 1953, the Museum of Modern Art in New York included 13 of them in an exhibition on the history of modern design. And the pioneering 20th century architect Le Corbusier was moved to say that never was a better and more elegant and a more precisely crafted and practical item created. Plato wrote of the form of objects, an essence, both timeless and unchanging, that epitomises an item. It's hardly surprising, therefore, that Tonnet's chair is often described as the chair of chairs, a design so simple and so natural in its surroundings that it's easy to forget that it was ever designed in the first place. Instantly recognisable, yet ubiquitously unnoticeable. Thank you for listening to Ubiquity, the history of designs we take for granted. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow the series on social media using the handle ubiquity underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram, or search Ubiquity Podcast on Facebook. All episodes will be available on YouTube. Please leave a like and a comment, as I'd love to hear your feedback and your ideas for future episodes. If you want to support the podcast financially, or just say thank you, please visit the Ubiquity Podcast Patreon at patreon.com forward slash ubiquity underscore pod. Patrons will also gain access to all of the scripts as episodes are released, and will be able to vote on subjects for episodes in upcoming series. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you once again for listening.